0: Welcome to the Survival Guide podcast. It's episode two, and the subject this week is getting into teaching. The music you heard was by Ethan Glover, a student at Leeds Conservatoire. My name's Sam, and I'm a year two jazz trumpet student. And today I've got with me Ellie Smith and Martin Shaw. Can you tell us a bit about yourselves?
1: My name's Ellie Smith. I am the strings coordinator for the music service at Art Forms Leeds. So I go around Leeds, um, in the Wakefield area, and nearer to this side of uh, town, uh, teaching eight schools around uh, Leeds. Um, I teach violin, cello, and viola, and some keyboard, with a range of primary school to high school, and I've also had experience doing university teaching, um, mainly um, theory and analysis for pop students.
2: Hi, and I'm Martin. I work at the Conservatoire. I'm a Principal Lecturer. I am also the Module Coordinator for the Year Two Instrumental Music Tuition Module on Professional Studies. Um, alongside my work at Leeds Conservatoire, I'm the Woodwind Coordinator at Cheatham School of Music, which is a specialist music school over in Manchester. And concepts and projects manager for Manchester Baroque. Um, Alongside that, I'm a qualified coach and mentor, and I perform as a flautist in orchestras, chamber music, um, and then also um, um, in collaboration with composers and other people. But teaching is a really fundamental and important part of my life. So my
0: first question, tell us a bit about your performance and teaching experience.
1: Um, So I am strings coordinator for the music service, Art Forms Leeds. Um, I started out doing uh, dance teaching when I was 16. Um, And then I went on to university um, and did a master's and a PhD. And part of their um, curriculum was to get you in teaching basically higher education. So that's where I started really properly teaching. Um, I then took on the music uh, service job on a Saturday, just teaching little ones like from four-year-old right up to 18. Um, and then I've just developed, you know, onto that. Um, and that's where I am now. So I'm and yeah, in charge of my own team uh, for the strings. We've got about 16... Uh, string teachers across Leeds. Um, and then in terms of performance, um, I did I majored in violin um, at university um, and I've ended up doing quite a lot of freelance stuff um, with orchestras and uh, travelled to China as well as part of it um, with the orchestra for 10 days and different things like that. So yeah, there's quite a lot
0: there. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, And what about you, Martin?
2: Uh, So I went to the Guildhall and all I wanted to do was play the flute. Totally. I was absolutely on a mission. That was my thing. And then one of my uh, contemporaries was working in a school, teaching the flute, and then didn't have so much time because he got into his final year um, and I took over and I was really blown away by how much I enjoyed it um, and how much uh, reward I got from doing it. So um, sort of moving moving on beyond, beyond my undergrad, um, teaching has always been part of what I've done um, around lots of other performing and researching and 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 this and the other so I've taught uh, privately I've taught in schools sixth form secondary schools primary schools Um, and then I've taught at Leeds Conservatoire for quite a few years now um, in quite a lot of different ways and different areas and one of the things that I love about Leeds is there are so many different pathways so many different parts to the course so as well as teaching the flute I take ensembles and I uh, work alongside Sam of course on the the instrumental music tuition module Um, and then alongside all of Those things I perform in orchestras as a soloist, chamber music. Um, I'm also the Concerts and Projects Manager for Manchester Baroque, which is an orchestra over in Manchester. And then I work together with uh, composers as well. Um, I think one of the things that I've really enjoyed about that balance of teaching and performing is that with performing, we might spend a long time working up to doing a concert um, hours and hours of work. Then we do the concert. And then so many times we don't get any feedback and we can feel that real sense of, um, of, of, of feeling like we're, we're coming down from a high. Um, and what was it all about? We've performed, it's all over. There's nothing tangible there. Um, and with teaching, it can be quite the opposite. There can be real tangible, tangible goals for the students, um, and at the end of those those goals, they might get a piece of paper with a certificate on it. They might um, be successful in reaching a goal of joining a choir, something like that. So um, for me, that, that balance of teaching and performing is, is really good for my own sort of self, sense of fulfilment and, and achievement and, and just feeling that I'm giving something something back um, to, to music and, and sharing all the things that, that I enjoy as well.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you've touched on it there, but my next question was going to be why teach um You've touched on a few things there, Martin. Do you have anything else to say about why you like to teach?
2: Yeah, I mean, I suppose ultimately it's because I like helping people to achieve their goals, whatever age they are and whatever their, their goals are. Uh, you know, that being able to help people fulfil their potential and share the enjoyment of music, it, it's something that it, it sits really strongly within me and that there's lots of people that go into music because of that love of music and 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 to be able to share that and, and share that um, enjoyment of different different types of music and and to help music be part of people's lives. What, what do you think, Ellie?
1: Um, it's similar, really, because um, when I started playing the violin, I was really inspired by my teacher, as as you are, um, and actually the primary school teacher there, because she used to set up little orchestras and we'd go and do competitions as a primary school, which at the time we thought that was, you know, the best thing ever. Um, and it's kind of now you look back on it and think, I want to give back to the children, you know, give them the chance, especially with everything that's going on at the minute as well. Um, music kind of opens that, you know, um, it unlocks part of that brain that a lot of people don't, don't get really. Um, you know, gives them a lot of potential or something that if they're not academic, it's another side that they can tap into and um, that they might be better at, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've both talked about the, the influence and Martin's also my lecturer on the instrumental teaching module. And you've talked about it in there, Martin, but how do you think music has affected you as people? Not not just as musicians, but your entire outlook on life.
1: For me... um. It's given me a lot of resilience. A lot of the time you're critiqued for performance and, you know, for making errors and stuff like that. And it is sort of, you know, building up that strength to do it and to keep going and to practice. Um, I think that's made me like a really organised person that likes to, you know, to, to make myself targets and goals um, and, you know, be the best person I can be. Um, and that applies to teaching as well.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, with what ellie just said i I think it's noticeable that the type of skills that we can learn from any pursuit of of music and i think it's really exciting to be a music student at the moment because what the world needs is good listeners and good communicators um and people that are passionate about what they're doing um you know we're, we're entering a a period now of of, of challenge within uh within within society you know financially particularly and there's lots of people that go into music not because of the money and um, because of the the reward that comes through music um, and i think we can apply all of those skills so broadly um, and not just in our professional life as well i think it's it's helped me make friends and um, it's helped me be be empathic when I'm talking to colleagues who might have have problems and um, it spurred me on personally to do a coaching and mentoring qualification um which is something that I use professionally but something where um even just at a bus stop or in the pub or just a stranger in the street if somebody within conversation has some sort of problem we we as musicians are so attuned to responding um responding at at short notice to things that i think it can it can really help us just generally in our lives and in the world in our relationships um and in how we're i think in tune with our own selves with our own well-being and our ability to help the well-being of others around us as well
0: It sounds like you're both passionate about music and teaching. How would you advise a student, or, or not even a student, but someone who's older, who's maybe passionate about getting into teaching but doesn't know where to start?
1: For me, um, mine was just doing voluntary placements. Um, I don't know if it's something that your course provides. Um, but we had a module that it basically taught you about all the different things that you could do um, with your music degree and one of those obviously was teaching um that was quite you know the big one and they encourage you to go on a placement so I went and did a teaching placement at a primary school but then from that obviously it's just putting yourself out there isn't it as well but yeah I definitely encourage you to do some voluntary placements because you just don't know who's watching as well and you know if you're presenting good work or good teaching um you never know it just it could you know they could just offer you a position
2: yeah and I think th- there's so many parts of music which are about making those connections and those networks with people um, teaching can be quite quite uh, you know really excellent way of, of doing that um, I'm going to be slightly biased now I guess one of the really fabulous things for students at Leeds conservatoire is the possibility of studying for an entire year um, instrumental music tuition instrumental or vocal music tuition there's very few places at an undergrad that you're able to do that Um, and to be able to have the time to study strategies for teaching to study the types of different um areas that one might go about um delivering teaching and to have a, a placement as part of that second semester where you can work in a very safe space, teaching one another, trying out lots of new ideas and um, actually learning skills by teaching one another, learning a new instrument even um, from one another. And um, I think that's a really fabulous introduction to music teaching. Um, and the ways that you might use that afterwards um, could be that you could use it formally when you maybe decide to apply um, for a, a job, um, maybe teaching, or even going on to do a form more formal course like a, a PGCE, um, which is something that that I did that I found really, really helped me. Um, so I, I I think that the main things I would encourage would be um, just like Ellie. Um, look for opportunities as you find those um, different networks. Um, you can look in the specific websites. We, could, we you can look look at. Um, you can join one of the musicians' unions and become um, a, a registered teacher for them. Um, I think one of the, the key things to do is to talk to people in your your area, find out what the opportunities are.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you saying, Martin. For me, the teaching seemed like a big mystery to me until the course and you've run me through the different strategies and now it's, it, now it's less of a scary thing because I can, I can imagine how to approach something now whereas before without any of those strategies it, it was like a, a, some mystic
2: guru <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how, how do you feel, Sam, doing that, that course has, has changed your outlook on what, what music tuition might, might look like for you?
0: Well I, I mean before it's, each, each different teacher has their own style um, and studying those different styles um, and trying to figure out what would work for me is really nice um, and it's just demystified it and I can see myself um, developing my own style of teaching you know.
2: Well, that's that's fabulous. Um, I know you're the person asking the questions, but mm-hmm. if, if it's okay to ask <laughs> yeah, you another one, um, I, I'm interested how a study of teaching has changed how you approach the lessons where you're you're a student, say with your trumpet teacher.
0: I mean, I've had I've had three different teachers whilst at the conservatoire, all with their own different style of teaching, and it's nice to be able to step back and figure out what. What it is, what styles they were trying to well u- use on me and help me out with, um, and also helping me figure out how, what style of teaching I actually enjoy and which helps most.
1: Do you yeah. feel like you've borrowed or taken some ideas from that oh, from yeah, what definitely. you've seen? Yeah, because I do that um, just from. Working for the ser- music service, obviously part of our thing is observations, but it's a really good way to see how other people teach because most of the time you're on your own. And I know Martin will think the same, but it's it's when you, you know, you look at things and think, "Oh, I've never done it like that. I'll do I'll do that." And I imagine yours will mm, be the same.
0: Definitely, yeah. I was I was actually going to ask, um, what method have you both developed or ethos? Well, now I'm going to try and say it, uh, pedagogy. Um, what what aspect of that have you both uh, developed that you think
2: is the most influential on your style? There was a time where I was really struggling teaching rhythm um, and there was a huge correlation, it seemed, between those who appeared to become despondent with my teaching and the frustrations I was feeling on the inside about why they didn't seem to be understanding what I was I was teaching them. Um, and, and rhythmically, um, I was putting a finger on the fact that I was teaching mm-hmm. rhythm in quite a mathematical way, using fractions, using numbers, which might have been understood theoretically, but once they're put into practice, seem to be quite, quite different. Um, and then I met a colleague who was studying Dalcrossy rhythmics, which is a Swiss style of of teaching and learning, uh, which Sam has uh, covered a little bit in this uh, module already. Um, And the ultimate goal with Dalkyrie Rhythmics, um, the objective behind it very much is that We can't understand any element of music learning without some sort of physical impetus by using walking, using jogging, using striding, using the body as a way of um, understanding things that we already know and then putting labels to them. So, for example, a crotchet becomes a walk, a quaver becomes a jog. It suddenly becomes fun and engaging and just through, um, I I studied this at an evening school for two years, um, it completely transformed both the way I taught, but also the way I saw uh, rhythm myself. And, And that can be one of the really powerful elements of music where when there's something that we struggle with, maybe an element of technique, by teaching that technique, it actually makes us better as performers of that technique, it helps clear up and demystify, to use Sam's Sam's words. Yeah, it's great.
1: Mine's very similar um, in terms of I'm a quite a visual visual learner. Um, I've got background in dance as well, so everything for me is very physical. Which obviously with the violin as well, doing demonstrations helps. But for me, in terms of um, touching on the rhythm side. Um, I always associate with animals or food um, items that the kids would know or the students would know, um, things that would tap into, you know, things that they're familiar with. Or even um, just making up sequences of words, like lyrics, exactly like that, um, that then would jog their memory, so um, there's a particular one I use, I think it's uh, cheesy chips or something random like that, that I always use but they know it's like a really syncopated, um, pattern so yeah using different things other than the obvious thing um, like you say the mathematical side.
0: Yeah, I mean it both sounds like you've tailored your teaching to your students but and you touched on it a bit Martin when you with some students you couldn't get through um, do you think any students are unteachable?
2: I'd like to think not um, I think everybody's naturally musical and if that is the case. Um, Everyone except for my dad, who seems to be tone deaf. <laughs> but um, I, I think um, sometimes it can come from the, the reasons why somebody's learning in the first place. Um, if, if, for example, there's a child who has a, I don't know, a very pushy parent, and the ultimate reason that they're learning is because the parent wants them to, we can have an uphill struggle. Um, but what... Um, Ellie was describing then of injecting fun into everything that we do, into the lessons, Um, actually introducing creativity, trying to make music lessons musical and making sure that there's as much music making going on as possible. Um, Even that child who might not have been the one instigating lessons in the first place, it ought to be possible to win the round, to open up. Um, a love for music that they didn't know was there before.
1: Yeah, same for me. So I teach whole class and I teach small groups. So whole class for me is really challenging because you've always got a few children that, you know, don't want to do violin or, you know, don't want to do music that day. Um, So me, I always try and like pick them out in the class and think, right, I'm going to praise this child and I'm going to choose them for stuff that I know that they can do. And it kind of wins them over. So, if we're playing a particular game, I use a lot of flashcards. Um, again, with food items, so they can learn the rhythms. I always choose those particular children because I know they're going to succeed, and you know it, it gets them engaged. And then it kind of sorts out that differentiation um, side of it as well, because obviously we do have to do that for particular kids that aren't picking it up as quick as others. Um, that's always a tricky one. Yeah, uh,
0: it, it it sounds like you were both talking from a point of inspiring your pupils through different techniques and different ways. And Martin asked this question um, in my lecture, but I'm going to spin it round. Mm -hmm. Um, Which teacher did you have that inspired you the most? And can you tell us a bit about them?
1: For me, it was my um, primary school teacher who did year three and then she did year six. I had her for two years and she was the one that did the music, she was the music lead and I just thought she was fantastic at the school. She was so engaging with the children. She was like down their level and always wanted to push us to be our best. Um, And it's one of those things like she's still kept in contact. She still brings us in to come and do little demos for the kids and stuff. Um, And she came to see all my university um, recitals and stuff like that. So yeah, it was her, how she was with the children. I've kind of, taken on that sort of persona um, and used it with my kids.
0: Well, how about you, Martin?
2: Um, I'm going to go with my first piano teacher um, who uh, used to teach with a, a teddy bear monkey. Uh-huh. And she had lots of young students and the teddy bear... Um, was called Charlie, and Charlie would always sit on her knee, and Charlie would be the person that would hijack lessons sometimes and scribble all over the music with felt-tip pens. Um, he'd also be the one where, if there were things which weren't quite so good, things that needed maybe some improvement, um, it would always be Charlie doing it. And because it was the the make-believe stuffed um stuffed teddy bear that was doing all of this mm-hmm. it was just so inspiring as a child children learn through play and I can see that play was a really big part of, of her lessons
0: you said that uh, if anything ever needed improving Charlie was the one who'd say that and I was going to ask how do you approach criticizing a pupil because um, I think for me personally that's one of the areas where I'd struggle with the most and it's, it's important as well, equally as praise.
1: It's hard, isn't it? It's the wording. So I say, oh, this bit was really good, but you could improve, you know, you could do this. Or um, for me, it'd be practice is really hard because sometimes, you know, they just don't, don't want to do it at home or they haven't got the support at home. So for me, I always do like star charts if I've got a particular difficult group. Um, or a lot of people do practice um, like little books where they sign or the parents, you know, encourage it. But yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, but yeah, mine is always a positive with a, but you you could also do this. Um, that's my way of doing it.
2: Yeah, and I think um, hearing hearing Ellie Ellie talk, and Ellie and I haven't met in person yet, but I can, I can tell from Ellie that, that what she's trying to create is this real safe space for her students, and 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 I, I certainly try to do the same. And um, the, the the idea that actually what we're there to do is to to learn, to share music, to improve our playing. Um, and if we can create a very warm, nurturing, encouraging environment, then if somebody maybe makes mistakes, or if yeah. we as the teacher are suggesting things which can help improve, um, then we're doing it in a in in an environment where improvement is the thing which is is seen as being as being positive. So, um, like Ellie. I think a golden rule, two two positives, two improvements. Um and then I think our use of language is is key. You know, we can say, Oh, all the notes were completely wrong, or we can say, um, to make it even better, I wonder yeah. if there's a few notes that we could try to make even more fluent from the the notes which are you know printed um on the on the the, the page. Um, or quite often drawing out answers from the students themselves um and asking them what they thought was, yeah. was great how they might make it even even better um but uh yeah i think trying to avoid um negative sort of, yeah, yeah. A negative stance it's always about how we're going to to Im- improve
1: yeah i am um, i do similar to you i do self-reflection as well so i go mm, which which bit did you think was hard you know or which bit do you think we need to work on a little bit more? And then they actually, they know, don't they? So it's not like you're going, oh, you've done that bit wrong or um, they know which bit they're struggling with and then you go, right, um, let's break it down then. And then I have, I normally change up the rhythm so that they're not thinking about, they're just doing the notes and take it out of context. Self-reflection um, is good because then they're, it's not you pointing it out. Basically,
2: yeah, and I think if you've got a group of a group of more than one child, actually using peer to peer feedback can be really helpful as well, because you know that it's it's not going to be taken possibly in the same way when it's um, from one of their their peer group, but also that we know peer to peer learning is the most powerful thing, um, and so if we can get are students to help one another to progress and um, they're likely to do it in a way which is going to be much more child-friendly um, and yeah. you hope and hopefully there won't be any tears that way
0: <laughs> 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 so you you've both you both are teachers and you've both studied performance and perform how how important do you think having a portfolio career is and doing different aspects of music and teaching, performance, arranging, etc.
2: I firmly believe that the musicians of the future are going to be those who can do a range of things really well. Um, If we can equip ourselves with a range of very unique skills... Like Sam, I know at the moment is exploring some djembe. Um, There was a time where, as musicians, we felt we needed to focus in on one thing, you know, become that expert in one field. Um, I think the world has moved on so far from that that actually, if we can do lots and lots of things really well, we can make ourselves thoroughly employable by coming with a unique set um, of skills. Um, and I think one of the the beauties of the music industry is how robust it is. I've got lots of colleagues who were only performers before COVID who had a real um, wake-up moment when all of their work disappeared overnight. And rather than needing to turn to a completely different industry, the music industry is so diverse that there's so many different things that we can still play a a part in Um, and actually if there is and there will at some point be another pandemic if we have equipped ourselves with enough broad varied uh, excellent skills um, which I do believe Lee's Conservatoire can can offer um, then it sets us in a place where we can find music thoroughly um thoroughly enjoyable and thoroughly rewarding, because remember we're doing it for the rest of our lives. Um, we don't want to put all of our eggs in one basket because what if we, in ten years don't like that basket anymore?
1: So for me, looking at when you look at your cV, um, obviously it's always going to be there, isn't it, when you're looking for jobs? Um to me, it's just my cV, but um when you get someone into proofread, you realize how diverse you know you've been over the past few years. And that is just from building your skills up, like you say, the experiences. For me, um, adding in the extra little things like going out of my way to join an orchestra, which then just happened to be going on tour to China, which was an amazing experience, or having contacts at university. So for me, I ended up... Um, we were talking about it before doing a recording um, for a producer, which ended up on one of the FIFA's the other year. Um, I did some of the string parts, which was really cool. Um, things like that that you wouldn't, you know, normally get unless you go, you know, to a university or a conservatoire. It's just putting yourself out there and making people aware that you're there. Yeah, and doing other things like conferences, events. Um, Part of my PhD I set up my own conference which was really good and I got special guests in and then going internationally that was like an amazing experience I went to New York I got funded for it so things like that are all now on my CV and you know no one can take that away from me yes you know you've got these degrees but I think they're the really important things to add in that people think oh yeah actually they've got a bit more to offer
0: I know for you, Martin, you're also a specialist, uh, I mean, you're a specialist teacher, but also in the field of 19th century uh, music and especially flute. How do you balance um, keeping these both sides of your career and possibly more at the same time?
2: Yeah, and I think uh, it's it's a really, really great, great question. and, And something that For me, although I have a real passion in historical performance and I spend a lot of my time playing on old flutes from the 18th and 19th centuries, um, it would be very easy to get drawn into an area which is quite exclusive um, and one which almost turns its back on the last 200 years of music. Um, Another reason why Leeds Conservatoire is so important to me personally, um, because it constantly challenges me. I I love working in those lectures which go cross-genre while I'm working with students on the folk course, students on the popular music courses and and jazz, and feels that I don't necessarily know lots about, um, but actually through collaboration, which I think is really key to a portfolio career, um, is absolutely central. So at the moment I've been working um, in collaboration with a, with a composer, where we've been looking at the art of improvising, um, what was called preluding in the 19th century, um, and how that might take its place within the 21st century, how we might reinvent something from the past and how we might use it as a vehicle for collaboration. Um, And I, I think that that sort of collaborative approach makes what I do relevant and um, relevant to myself but also relevant to the whole music field um, and allows me to make contributions um, into the, the the music sphere um, moving forward. so yes, I think it's it, it's really important on on many levels.
1: yeah, it's a tricky one because you can get bogged down in the teaching um, and think about the planning and you know end up spending your time with that. So I always have a designated um, time in the week. Um, which is my creative time Um, so it could be at the moment um, me and my partner are writing some books based on our dog just you know creative books just to keep us you know ticking over and stuff like that Um, which started in lockdown um, but they're not finished yet or it could be oh you know I've been asked to do this gig at the weekend so things like that it's just making yourself available and having that time not to get bogged down with the teaching and Getting a good um, work-life balance, for me, um, that's the, the real important bit, you know. You don't live for work, but just making sure that you're doing the things that you love as well.
0: Uh, I mean, personally, I've found for music, it's it's difficult because people talk about the work-life balance. It's often expressed in music that music is your hobby, it's also your job. Mm-hmm. You've got to live it constantly, and it, it gets tiring. And um for example, last night I went bowling with some people, some jazz musicians, and they go bowling every week just to just to yeah. like do that one thing a week that isn't music. I mean, um I mean you talked about your creative space, but but do you have any other methods to give give you a break from the music? <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean I dance. Um that's something that I've done for quite a while. Um it kind of obviously links with the music but it's, you know, a different part of that. So that's kind of a breakaway. But yeah, other than that, um, my partner, bless him, is is not musical like us. Um, He'll hate me if he listens to this. Um, So he's teaching himself guitar, and it's, yeah, kind of like, oh, I've just been at work. Oh, can you just tell me how to do this? You know, theory side, and you're a bit like, I've just been teaching all day. But it is fun, like, just to improvise with him, and. Um, and jam and that that side of it you're tapping into it something that you wouldn't normally do when you're teaching. So yeah, it's just finding something different. it's yeah, w- not. Sorry. No, go
0: on. What, what's your method of escape, Martin, when you <laughs> want to? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think,
2: following on from the canine theme, um, I do quite a lot of running, go to the gym. Um, I'm really, really passionate about dog agility, actually. Um, and Love that. Yeah. <laughs> I've done I've done lots of uh, CPD courses and things about about teaching, but actually what I learned the most for teaching skills was from training a dog. Um, and it was because yeah. of um, the very kind of clear sense of direction that, that's needed, use of the the visual as well as the auditory. And particularly with agility, if I get one hand signal slightly wrong um or i slightly hesitate in a certain way the dog won't hit the white mark when it's going over a seesaw say um and um yeah i have also done some um heel work to music which is where you're learning to train your dog w- w- together with music um and in in the very first class the a lady taking the class who had a Leon Burger, which is a great big dog, and um, had her Leon Burger um, stepping across the room to hip-hop. Um, and our homework <laughs> for the first the first week was to go away and find the type of music that our dog would, would respond to. And I thought she was absolutely bonkers I until I discovered that there was some types of music that the dog would just not feel the beat. And the only type of music that she felt a beat to was 18th century English folk <laughs> dance music. Amazing. Um, so she lent a whole choreography to a play for dance called Picking Up Sticks, which seemed to be quite apt for a dog.
0: That's amazing. I really like that. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming and being on the podcast um, and letting me grill you. Thank
1: you, <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: Absolute no problem. pleasure,
2: Sam. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Yeah, everything you said was really helpful and I hope it helps the people listening, the students and anyone tuning in.